Welcome, I'm Jennifer Lindblad, President and CEO of Stratus Health. It's my pleasure to host a series of brief podcasts celebrating our 50th anniversary. Today, I welcome Dr. Alice Bonner, Director of Strategic Partnerships for the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing and Senior Advisor for the Aging at the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. With Alice's long career as a geriatric nurse practitioner and researcher, as well as a nationally renowned long-term care policy and program leader, I'm looking forward to discussing how we can build capacity for improvements in senior care through innovative initiatives and teamwork and how our work has changed amid the pandemic. So welcome, Alice, and thank you for joining me. Thank you, Jennifer. And uh, as you said, you and I have a, a pretty long history of, of doing various things together professionally, but I also just wanted to uh, say to the audience, you know, I started this work when I was 19 years old. I got a job in a nursing home when I was in college and I'm 64, uh, turning 65, going to be getting my Medicare card pretty soon. So, you know, for me, I've seen all aspects of this from a personal standpoint as a family care partner for aging parents myself. So like you, this comes to us not only in our professional roles, but really in our personal lives as well. As we get started, Alice, what have we learned over the past 18 months that has resulted in modifications or even reinventions to support and empower seniors to continue living as safely as possible in their homes and communities? And how will these adaptation enable us to build back even better and expand our ability to improve care in the U.S. using evidence-based best practices? We've made it complicated. We've not built the infrastructure that is required in communities to care for one another and to support one another because it's not all about care, right? I mean, sometimes we just want to live our lives and walk down to the drugstore or walk and get the newspaper by ourselves. So it's things like that we want to continue to be able to do. We learned a lot about caregiving at home or care partnering at home and We also learned a lot about all the challenges in nursing homes and other long-term care settings like assisted living or group homes or low-income or other kinds of housing, where if it's an infectious process, a lot of that spreads very quickly if we don't have systems in place. We need to do a lot more with nursing homes to support the infrastructure to prevent the spread, whether it's COVID-19 or the next pandemic that comes along. What we really need to figure out is if we have fewer nursing homes in this country over time, how do we provide what we really need in the community to best support one another? How do you envision attracting talent, developing alternative care models, restructuring care teams, and better preparing families and friends to support aging loved ones? You asked the million dollar question. I guess I should say the billion dollar question now. And I think the answer for me is we have to change what these jobs are. It's not enough to say, well, the salaries are too low and the benefits are too low. Of course, they're too low. They're not even in the ballpark. So do we have to change that? Yes. But that's not what people say when they're direct care workers, such as certified nursing assistants and others. They say that what they miss is the ability to have a career ladder or lattice where they can move up or move over, but where they can develop professionally, stay in the role that they're in. And people often say, well, didn't you go into becoming a direct care worker because you wanted to ultimately become a nurse? And that's only true for a subset of people. For some people, 
They love being with residents. They love being at the bedside or they love being with patients in the hospital setting. And they don't want to go to nursing school. They don't want to become a nurse, but they do want career opportunities where they can grow and develop. They want to become a trainer. They want to become a team leader. They want to become a scheduler, et cetera. So those are the things that really we know. We already know, like we don't need more research on this. We know we need to change those things. So I would say we need to do work at the state level and we need to do work at the federal level to figure out how are we going to change these jobs. Even if you talk about nursing jobs, you know, I'm a registered nurse. You know, we have lots of registered nurses and LPNs, licensed practical nurses, primarily who work in long term care, as an example. They make so much less than they would make in the hospital setting. Same thing with home health. Nurses make so much less than they would make in a hospital setting. So why is that and how can we fix that? There's no one organization or one person who's going to solve this. This has been going on for a very long time. We need to come together and uh, figure it out. What special considerations and innovations will enable us to create inclusive communities that serve the increasingly diverse needs of older Americans? Mm, That's another great question. We're very focused on this now because of the focus on equity and disparities. And again, in the last 18 months, what did we learn? Turns out, you know, people from black and brown communities and people who are in either workers in nursing homes or residents in nursing homes or even in hospital settings, people from racial and ethnic minorities tended to get COVID at higher rates, for example, or have higher death rates and things like that. So it is real. It is not something we're dreaming up and we have to really fix it. So inclusive communities mean really intentionally thinking through how do we plan out who's going to have access to coming to this community? Let's figure out how it can be inclusive across all different economic levels. How can we use volunteers to help to staff and construct and run these types of inclusive communities? We have LGBTQ aging and we have folks who are thinking about those members of our communities and how to be inclusive of all, again, all groups of people and individuals, men and women, people who are born in the U.S. and speak English as a first language, people who don't speak English as a first language. You and I could run through probably 30 characteristics really quickly. But these things are important. And it's easy to make the mistake of putting together a planning group of people and you look around the room and it's all white men. And you think to yourself, how did this happen? And it's an easy mistake to make unless you're really being intentional and thinking from the very beginning about constructing groups with good racial and ethnic and gender mix, LGBTQ mix, just we really need to think about those things. So it's in the planning, uh, I think, to, to start. As you know, Stratus Health has been a leader in quality improvement for Medicare beneficiaries for decades, addressing national healthcare quality priorities at the local level. How would you like to see CMS's programs and priorities evolve to create and improve age-friendly health systems, promote dementia-friendly communities and caregiver support, and further advocate for older adults? Well, that's a great question. Of course, as you know, I used to work at CMS for two years, so I continue to be very interested in that work, and I know how hard that work is. You look at regulations and you think, why can't we just revise these regulations? And it's hard work. Having said that, I think that's the important work that really does need to be done and can only be done 
by CMS or ACL if we're talking about certain community things and by HRSA if we're talking about certain staffing things and et cetera. But the work that we did back in 2012-13 to start the CMS National Partnership to Improve Dementia Care in Nursing Homes, again, it was just the first step, but it really led to some very significant changes over time and a reduction in unnecessary antipsychotic medication use in nursing homes, which was rampant and it's still bad and we still need to address it, but we did make some progress and we created some systems. And I think to your point, we need to do the same thing with home and community-based programs and with funding. We can't keep saying, well, we just don't have the funding from the federal government to staff nursing homes. We, we all know it's the case. So the question is, how do we fix that? How do we wake up tomorrow morning and say, okay, let's go, let's fix this. And again, fixing it doesn't mean fixing it overnight. It means it might take a couple of years, but we need to start or we need to continue. People have thought about this a lot, but again, it's sometimes we try to make the perfect, the enemy of the good, and we try to fix everything at once. That's not going to work. We need to pick one thing or two things that are focused and narrow enough. And let's just work on these things first, and then we'll go from there. We just, we're not going to be able to fix anything else until we fix the staffing crisis. And it's both the, the, the number of staff, the number of staff that are left that are burnt out and traumatized and, you know, the need to develop a pipeline and a recruitment strategy going forward. Because to your point, you know, the older population is just increasing astronomically toward 2050 and that's not going to change. So we need to figure out how to make these jobs people want rewarding jobs, good supervision and collaboration and colleagueship and work to improve things, but really to start now. And I think if we fix the staffing issues, a lot of the other things are going to be much easier to address, even though it'll take some time. Of the promising interventions to improve senior care that we've talked about today or that are on the horizon, how might Stratus Health contribute to translating evidence-based interventions into widespread practice? You know us well. What what advice do you have for us in this space? I think the solutions are out there. I think CMMI has done a really good job with demonstration projects. Part of where you guys come in, I think, is really helping to translate into scale and spread things that have demonstrated results. A lot of the projects at CMMI don't go anywhere, even though they've got really good data and really good evidence behind them. So I would say you can help with translating that evidence and helping organizations figure out how do we scale and spread? How can we go from 40 sites to 400 sites? And that's not an easy question to answer, but we do need people with the kind of expertise that you all have to be able to do that. That's exactly what we see as our sweet spot, that translation of research into practice and then bringing to scale those things that either have been proven or are the most promising and doing that in an accelerated fashion. That often just takes far too long to get embedded into practice or to replicate elsewhere. So thank you for pointing that out. Well, Alice, it has been a privilege to call you a colleague and friend for so many years. And thank you for making care and lives better for seniors across the country through your leadership. Well, thank you and back at you. You guys are doing great work.